Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. And you can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-Radio.com for more information about this podcast, articles, and other fun stuff. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with the other podcast programming from War Media by simply going to War on Anger, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and the iHeartRadio app. Just type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And you can, also, you can also find us on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. Hello, hello. And yeah, like, share, subscribe. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, your beautiful audience. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. <laughs> yes. And let's tell everybody about this, just in case you've been sleeping under a rock. A, a championship Sunday in the National Football League will feature the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, in two in two weeks down there in Tampa Bay for Super Bowl Fifty Five. Let's review the net uh, the the national. Good grief, this is not college football. <laughs> let's review the let's review the National Football Conference uh, title game which is the NFC for you kids out there. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers survived the quote-unquote frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, uh, defeating the Packers 31-26. to Aaron Rodgers had a big game for the Packers, 33-48, of for 346 yards and three touchdowns. Leonard Fournette had some meaningful yards and some meaningful catches for the Buccaneers. He had 55 yards rushing, including the longest touchdown run, for the Buccaneers with 14 yards in that first quarter. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling showed up for the Packers receiving-wise, four catches, 115 yards, and a score. Lakina, let's get your quick thoughts on, on this contest before we start breaking it down. For me, <laughs> Tampa Bay did what they need to do in setting the tone early, but Green Bay tried to, uh, to catch up, almost did, but they just didn't have enough juice. We'll get into why in just a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, like I got you got to commend Tampa. I mean, they kind of stuck to the game plan that kind of, you know, helped them and beat them in their first meeting, of, you know, early on in October. So I'm a little, I'm a little surprised that, you know, the Green Bay didn't really adjust to that. You know, they disguised Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. the defense did what they needed to do. Shaq, Shaq Barrett had his best, had his best game of the season. Sean Murphy Bunsen had, you know, Kind of was sort of the unsung hero of that defense. JPP made some mm-hmm. made some big plays too for the for that defense. So they kind of slowed down Aaron Rodgers. And look, you got to commend also Tom Brady. I know some people look. Some of us have our opinions about him, and you know we won't get into that. But look, he did what he mm-hmm. needed to do. I mean, look, he threw three interceptions, but he made the big plays when they counted. And Leonard Fournette, you know, rushed for the big yards when they counted. So. That's one of the reasons why that Tampa Bay is going back to the Super Bowl for the first time since they won it in 02. They'll be the first team to ever host a Super Bowl, which is crazy in this rich history of the NFL. There has not been one team. I know I know some people said San Francisco did it, but they weren't playing in that particular stadium at the time when that Super Bowl was played. They were they were playing over at Candlestick Park. So that you know, that that that's why it didn't count as a home game for 
for San Fran, but you know, Tampa, I mean, will it be kind of like a home field? Well, we'll get to all that next week when we delve right in more into the Super Bowl. But, look, you got to come in Tampa. I mean, look, they, you know, they, they made the plays both offensively and defensively and also even special teams, too, where they need it. Yeah, give the credit to Murphy, their kick returner for, for the Buccaneers. He had a, a couple of huge returns as, as, to set up the scores for the Buccaneers. Also, let's give credit to Buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Leffridge as well. The Buccaneers scored uh, – 21 first half points, including that uh, that last touchdown pass for Brady in that first half to Scotty Miller. Joe Buck got excited on that call for Fox, <laughs> but after they converted on a fourth and three play, a couple of plays before with Leonard Fournette, he had a couple of drops too early in that first quarter. Ugh, don't pass him the ball again, but uh, Tampa Bay had a perfect game plan to offset that Packers defense, and Tampa, was, were, they were using a lot of screens as well. Mike Evans had a good game. You know, Chris Godwin had a couple of key catches there as well. He had a few drops as well. That's been his problem throughout the playoffs. Yes, they all had to sure they up against Kansas City in less than two weeks. But going back to that first half, they had the perfect game plan. And we said this on our last episode, that Tampa Bay would have to run the ball effectively and they did enough just to get by, but that first half uh, game plan, that was just um, drawn out to – it was executed to perfection. And the way they ended the first half, I thought that was one of the key turning points of Tampa Bay uh, hanging on to a win there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, look, you know, that, that defense sacked Aaron Rodgers five times. So that – I think that, you know, JPP had two of them, two of those five mm-hmm. sacks. You know, Shaq Bear, like I said, had his best game of the season, having three sacks, two in addition to making the big plays. So they actually were able to slow down that offense, you know, for of Aaron Rodgers and that and that and the um that offense for Green Bay. But you know, there were some there were some key drops in some of those with some of the the wide receivers too. Um, Lazard had a had a very key drop. Um, Devontae Adams had an uncharacteristic drop that would have kind of sort of you know tied that game for hey so that who knows what would have happened if that if he had caught that touchdown but you know there there's so many you know there's so many like you know plays of the game if you will I think well we'll delve we we delve into a couple more right we'll delve into the others in a little bit but what do you think what were sort of the, like the key plays for you uh just just overall Green Bay's uh, lack of running the football even before Aaron Jones was knocked out of that game uh they weren't really effective I know that the, the game plan for the Packers offense this year compared to last year was uh, let Aaron Rodgers do his thing. Obviously, that was the game game plan on Sunday. But it just seemed to me um, that the Packers did not have any balance offensive, offensively. And just taking a look at some, some of the numbers, I, I thought that uh, the tight ends would be used a little bit more for both teams. I'll, I'll start with the Packers. Robert Tunya only had four catches for 22 yards. He did uh, get a, a touchdown in that second half, but he wasn't used effectively. Mercedes Lewis, uh, I, I didn't think that he was still alive in terms of an NFL career, but he had three catches for 28 yards. But as you could tell about those uh, numbers that I just read off to you, a lack of running game. Uh, those numbers would have been bigger if uh, Green Bay would have found a way to run the ball effectively. But you have to give defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers top balls a whole lot of credit, especially uh, down up their pressure to sack Aaron Rodgers, even when the Packers were making a comeback in the second half. Well, and also, too, not being able to make those those turnovers into points. I mean, they did one, but, you know, they – they weren't able to make even more points and it should have turned maybe a couple of those free field goals in the touchdowns. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, look, they had that. They had a look. You know, Bruce Arians got to give him credit. You know, he called a balanced game. He had Todd Bowles, also Brian Leftwich as the coordinators. So they kind of you know, sort of confused Rodgers, if you will, with some of the you know they disguised some of the, the defensive uh, packages. So I think that sort of you know I think that kind of shocked Aaron Rodgers too. I mean, usually the the old line for the Packers usually were able to protect Aaron Rodgers and keep him afloat. Ask the Bears, but uh, <laughs> they, look, they you know, they they were you know, to their credit to you know, the Bulls is credit, you know, he was able to confuse him by the you know, disguising those packages for Aaron Rodgers. And like I said, they ended up sacking him five times. So clearly it worked. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We reviewed the NFC Championship game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers prevailing over the Green Bay Packers 31 to 26 to advance to Super Bowl 55. Lakina, let's go back to the Packers offensively. As I mentioned before, they made the, the tremendous comeback in that second half. Marquez Valdez-Scanley, as I mentioned at the top of the show, he had a touchdown catch off of four receptions for 115 yards. Devontae Adams, who was shut down in that first half, actually came alive in that second half. Nine catches for 67 yards, and he had a, a score late, but he had a key drop uh, uh, during the late stages of that game as well. I thought up until that point that the Buccaneers did a tremendous job of taking him out of the game. Oh yeah, he was pretty much a non-factor. I mean, like exactly like, like we were saying, he had some very uncharacteristic drops. I mean, you know, they were kind of moved him around with some of the the you know, the corners and the safeties. They lost one of their safeties early on, you know, early in the right before mm-hmm. the second half. You know, Whitehead. So that really kind of you thought that maybe that was it. That the you know, that. Aaron Rodgers was able to kind of, you know, take advantage of that, but he didn't. And look, you know, next guy up. So a couple of the other guys that came in, you know, they, they made some key plays when they needed to. Yeah, you have to give them credit for that. And and that's why Tampa Bay is moving on. And speaking of Tampa Bay, let's shift over to their uh, receiving statistics. Chris Godwin, as we mentioned before, five catches for 110 yards. And he had a couple of key drops. Mike Gavins, he had a touchdown uh, to open the game. Uh, he had only two catches afterwards, but he had a total of three for 51 yards. Scotty Miller, he had that big touchdown catch that Ended the first half on a high note for the road team. Two catches for 36 yards in the score. This, I thought, was the key play of the game, Lakina, on that third down play uh, late in the fourth quarter. Rob Gronkowski, who's basically being used as a blocking tight end all season, he had the one catch for 29 yards on the screen and catch and run. I thought there was huge to, uh, to that led Tampa Bay to that field goal, which at the time um, had them at an eight-point advantage. Oh, yeah, that was, that was huge, I think. Look, we had we haven't heard Gronk, Gronk much all game, but the elect, like you said, mm-hmm. when you forget that he's there, but when he is there and you know Brady throws it to him, he makes it a big impact. And that, excuse me, and that that particular play, I think, sort of set up that that field goal that kind of not necessarily put the game away, but made it harder for Green Bay mm-hmm. to come to come back. But you know, also, also too, I mean, Godwin made some key catches, like you said. I mean, Scotty Miller, who's a local kid, who you know who's from suburban Chicago actually was able to make that big catch. I mean, he did it before mm-hmm. when, you know, the Bucks played, you know, played at Oakland. That was a key play too. So it, it wasn't as if this is the first time he's done this a whole season. He's done this a couple of times prior. So let's give him mm-hmm. a little bit of credit there. But I mean, it, it's, it's definitely, I think like surprised a lot of, I think surprised some people that Tampa Bay was able to kind of have their way with the Packers in a lot of ways 
you know, we well, like we talked about earlier with the packages and the the you know the the, the offense and stuff with that. Braves spreading the ball around, and you know, it's 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 insane to think that now he has as many NFC titles as Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. I mean, go figure. It, it, it's 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 totally <laughs> it's absurd at this point, Sid. I mean, it's insane. I mean, there's there's no, you know, however you feel about him. I mean, you gotta look. He has the numbers, and he'll definitely be a first ballot Hall of Famer when he does retire. It's it's just you just gotta give him his props. Yeah, that sounds to me like some LeBron James hate. You know, the, your talent's so great, you can't catch up. You just judge that he's not on your team. Uh, but I'll let that go. <laughs> not, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, shout out to also a longtime Buccaneer tight end Cameron Brady. He had a touchdown in that first half as well. He had three catches for it. Uh, 19 yards. Now that Packers defense, I thought Lakina they were going to step up and play a big role. They had four quarterback hits on Tom Brady, but only registered one sack. If you're a Packers fan, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy, right? I mean, you know, look, Adrian Amos, who actually has found kind of found himself sort of a, a career rebirth, and, you know, since he got to Green Bay, he's been very productive. Mm-hmm. Jair Alexander had two interceptions. Um, Zadarius Smith had you know some 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 good hits. I mean, you know, the Kevin King thing aside, I know people will make fun of that. We you know the fact that he was fooled by Scotty Miller and he was like, well, you know, he didn't he probably didn't realize how fast he was. You know, that that that's a we won't go go there, but that that that's on the prep of the DC over at Green Bay. I mean, Sidarius Smith, where were you? Where were you? Where were you? Um, you know, Rashad Gray, Rashawn Gary, I should say, where where were you? Where were you? Where were some of those guys? I mean, where was the pass rush? I mean, that's on the, you know, this isn't, you know, remember Don Capers isn't there anymore. So mm-hmm. you have to, you have to wonder, like, I'm, I'm sure he would have made sure that there was a pass rush there, but it doesn't seem that there was a pass rush. I mean, like you said, there was only one sack. So you wonder like, okay, can we get a pass rush here? Can we get some more zone blitzes? I mean, what's going on here, kids? I mean, Brady kind of had all the time in the world. He could have went and got him some lunch over Madison. I mean, it was, it's, it's insane. <laughs> Well, give the Packers secondary credit for this. Uh, they did pick off Brady three times, including uh, Alexander, who picked him off twice. But uh, Jair Alexander, who picked him off twice. But like you said, again, the lack of pressure on Tom Brady, and we said this on our last episode, uh, that was going to be key for the, for the Packers to win. Mm-hmm. And that that didn't happen. But on the flip side for Tampa Bay, uh, their defense, uh, five, five sacks on Rodgers, eight quarterback hits, you could tell that Rodgers, we said this on our last episode on Friday, Aaron Rodgers really doesn't want to run, but he can avoid the rush if he has to because of his age. Tampa Bay didn't really let him do what he wanted to, to, to do uh, uh, in that pocket. Uh, he didn't escape as much as he normally does, so we had to give uh, the Buccaneers defense credit for that. Uh, they brought the pressure. It wasn't like like – the first meeting in October, but they did enough to win, and you just got to tip your hat off, hat off to them. Yeah, just a great all-around game played by Bruce Arians and that, and that coaching staff. I mean, you, you got mm-hmm. from process, and I'm happy for him too because this is his first time going as a head coach. Every, everything he went through, you know, mm-hmm. his, you know, being a cancer survivor, and also the fact that he wanted Tom Brady there, and they were able to make that happen. And despite the fact that Brady didn't really have too much time with his wide receivers during the offseason because of COVID. You know, the fact that, you know, the mm-hmm. fact that he was, he's kind of been able to sort of spread the ball around and get his guys to kind of, you know, get them together, you know, you, you got to commend the team. And they told, they're told they're totally deserving of hosting, you know, for the first time Super Bowl 55. Mm-hmm. 
It should be fun uh, down there in Tampa. We'll get into that more as uh, we get closer to the uh, to the game. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. We are reviewing Championship Sunday from the National Football League as we now transition over to the American Football wait, Conference, wait, what, the AFC. Wait, wait, hold on one second. Do you did you you know because I've been hearing about this all all you know all morning. Did you agree with the call on that that it, that the Packers should went for it on fourth and goal? Oh, thank you for stopping me, Lakina. Yes, that's what I wanted to get to before we move on. Thank you, Tom Brady, calling an audible there, but we trust you. <laughs> oh, I, I thought watching that, thank you very much. Uh, I thought that it was for down territory after the after the Buccaneers uh, went up 31-23. And, uh, watching that Green Bay drive, I said, this is definitely, it was getting late. Uh, I said, this is definitely for down territory. It has to be for down territory, correct? It turns out there wasn't. Uh, that was a bad decision by Matt LaFleur. Uh, he's, that decision is going to haunt him for a long time. I'm not saying the Packers would have won the game, but I know they missed a two-point conversion earlier uh, in the game, but you still had to go for the win there. I know you want to be safe and take the points, but it turns out it really didn't help him. It, it really didn't. So that was the bad decision right there. Aaron Rodgers, even though he was sacked and being pressured, he still had the yards. You, you still had some momentum. But that that was just a bad decision. See, I'm the opposite. I think I think that the play prior to that, where I think Aaron Rodgers should have ran for it, because he there was green there. If you guys if you saw if you guys saw it, you know, at that third down, he, there was green there. There was green on the other side. And we know, yeah, he is a little bit older now, but he mm-hmm. look. We've seen him, you know, get the juices going. So even if he had gotten you know tackled short at the one or two yard line, then the four fourth and goal would have been more feasible to do. Now, for me, if it was been like it was like it was like one thirty or one twenty-five, then I say, you know, yeah, go for it. But look, it take the points and just hope and pray that your defense. Look, the defense actually stopped them, so I I don't know what, what more could he had done, could they have done. But look, yeah, you take the points and you take your chances, and because let me tell you, if they did if they did win for it and they missed it, everyone's gonna be saying that well, they should have taken the points. So y'all can some of y'all can miss me with some of these analytics and stuff like that. So <laughs> my feeling about it, and look, people are going to be talking about. I'm sure they're going to be talking about it up in Green Bay for like ever. What whatever happens. Now let's transition over to the AFC uh, title game. The Buffalo Bills uh, came in as underdogs. They leave as losers, but we don't call them losers on this show. Uh, they had a great season. Uh, they had a great start to the game, but they ultimately they came up short as they lose to the Kansas City Chiefs by the score of 38-24. to Patrick Mahomes, uh, coming from that quote-unquote concussion from last week against the Browns, he was 29-38 for 325 yards and three touchdown passes. Darrell Williams had 13 carries for 52 yards and a late touchdown score. Uh, for Kansas City receiving rise, uh, we talked about this in our last episode, Lakina who you were going to stop, Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. You, uh, the Bills defense could not stop either. Tyreek Hill had nine catches for 172 yards. Travis Kelsey had 13 catches for 118 yards and two touchdowns. Lakina, uh, Buffalo had the fight in them, but they just didn't have enough to get over that hump. Kansas City, uh, they're, they're like the Golden State Warriors of uh, the regular season. You just do enough to survive and stay healthy. But when it comes to the playoffs, they turn it on, and they did that on Sunday. 
Yeah, when when the Bills sort of went got to that early nine nothing league, it thought, uh oh, what what's what's going on on here? Oh, what there's something is something special about to happen here. But I think that Chiefs sort of woke up and said, okay, you know what? This is we're gonna get a fight from these guys, mm-hmm. so let's let's kick it into gear. And they did they did just that. And look, we look we said this you know in, you know the last couple of weeks that Bills pa- pass rush. That, or let their off. Yeah, that that came back to bite them in the bud and. You know, you know, Mahomes was able to take advantage of that. You know, 325 yards. I mean, they they could, you know, they couldn't contain Kelsey or Hill, so that was a big assignment. Mm-hmm. They, like you said, they, they they couldn't do either. So they, you know, Kelsey got two touchdowns, and it, it's just that that the lack of experience and that pass rush and the lack of experience from that secondary, I think, came back to bite Buffalo in the butt. And you know, the Chiefs were sort of is now sort of like well ahead of them, and so that. Hopefully they'll be back. You know, there's no guarantees, but hopefully they'll be back mm-hmm. hungrier next year. They're still, they're all still very young for the most part. And as for the Chiefs, I mean, they're, they're showing you why they're the class of the AFC or, or the NFL in general right now. So, you know, the defense, you know, Tyron Matthew did his thing. You know, Brashard Breland, you know, Anthony Hitches led the, the team in sacks. So that – in tackle, I should say. So that, you know, they sacked, you know, Josh Allen four times for 53 yards <laughs> – you know, mm-hmm. just just totally, you know, threw his mojo off, and that we said that that would be the key. Which defense would sec- would step up, and it was turns out the Chiefs' defense did just that. Yeah, going back to Buffalo's defense for just a moment, they only had one quarterback second, three quarterback hits, as we mentioned on our last episode. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was still dealing with that toe injury, even though he couldn't run the, as as he normally normally would when he's healthy, uh, he can still throw on the run. You saw that on Sunday. Uh, he didn't have to really run at all in terms of uh, escaping the pocket. He was throwing on the run to Miko Hardeman, who lost that uh, punt return from him, which turned out uh, the Bills scored uh, their touchdown uh, early in the game. Miko Hardeman was involved. Travis Kelsey especially was involved in the middle of the field, and we questioned uh, the Bills linebacking core on Friday. Uh, will they? <laughs> what were they going to do against Kelsey? They couldn't do anything. So Patrick Mahomes really didn't have to, quote, unquote, save the day, but he did enough to, just for his team to win. Like you said, that Buffalo Bills defense, it had to come into this game with a bunch of question marks already. They still leave with some question marks, obviously, but – uh, hopefully, uh, uh, it got it got chippy toward the end of that game with those uh, penalties and Josh Allen tossing the ball against uh, I, I forgot who the player's name was against uh, for the, for the Chiefs. But uh, I'm glad that Buffalo they really didn't do anything too stupid. You know, a couple of offensive linemen who got penalized took up for that quarterback. Uh, you love to see the chippiness, but you don't want it to uh, cross that line. You know what I mean? Football's a physical game, and you playing in between the lines, but you don't want it to go overboard. And I'm glad it really didn't go overboard yesterday. From what I understand, those two teams play again in Arrowhead next year, so uh, we'll be looking out for that. But Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, uh, hopefully, like you said, Lakina, they'll be back. Uh, they have the makings of a, of a great team. They had a great, uh, a very uh, good season. There's only one team we all know that has a great season, the team that wins the title. So Buffalo still has some work to do, but they're a, a team on the rise. Yeah, absolutely. They're definitely gonna have to, you know, punch up that pass rush a little bit, you know, that because mm-hmm. that I think that showed that you know it maybe not exactly the you know, the thing that that, that you know uh, definitely uh it was definitely a weakness for them all year, and you know the the Chiefs, their credit, they were able to kind of expose that 
So that that's something they're going to have to look up to next year. Also, too, I mean, you know, Diggs was sort of a non, I don't want to say he was a non, well, yeah, he kind of was a non-factor. Beasley was a non-factor. You know, a lot of their their top, you know, receivers were non-factors. So you got to give, you know, guys like Tyron Matthew and guys like that in the secondary to, you know, give them credit for sort of keeping them at bay. And like you said, that those sacks with Josh Allen, I mean, hopefully, look, I'm sure, look he, he was angry. If he saw his post, if he saw his, uh, his post-game presser, he was angry. So hopefully he can mm-hmm. you know, keep that, keep that, you know, ang- anger and energy and hopefully the team can build on that. But look, I mean, it, it's right there for them. And I, I'm hoping that we come back. That, that is a fun team to, to watch the Bills. And I, I, mm-hmm. hope they do, I hope they do come back. But the Chiefs are just a class. Like I said, they're just a class of AFC right now. They are. And for the, for the Buffaloes, as we talked about in our last episode, if, I, if you remember, can I said this, if Josh Allen has more rushing yards than Devin Singletary, they were going to lose, and that's exactly what happened. Josh Allen had seven carries for 88 yards. Devin Singletary had six carries for 17 yards. T.J. Yeldon had three carries for 15 yards. Buffalo just could, even though they had 129 yards rushing total as a team, uh, the, it was, still wasn't enough to get it done. And and also for the Chiefs, give credit to defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo, who's been on championship teams before with the Giants back in the day. He was also with the old St. Louis Rams. So. Uh, he knows what to do. When you have talent like that with the Kansas City Chiefs hat, you could dial up that pressure. And they really brought it in that second half, and that's why you saw the tide t- started to turn for the Chiefs' defense, especially toward the end of that third quarter into the fourth quarter when they picked off Josh Allen. Uh, the pressure was getting to Josh Allen. He was really confused. Right, absolutely. Absolutely Fenton had that interception for the Chiefs. Also, Frank Clark had a couple of sacks. So mm-hmm. he played those Seattle teams, so he knows – so he knows what it takes to win championships too. So, I mean, I think that's just just a great pedigree there in case in KC right now. And you know, they have a mix of maybe perhaps maybe being the new, I guess, the new New England Patriots, if you will, or the Golden State Warriors, if you want to, you know, use that use that as an example. But yeah, I, I think like Buffalo, like you said, maybe maybe invest in a running back, maybe so that you if you know that's not good if your quarterback's leading you and and rushing, that's mm-hmm. not a good thing. So maybe if you don't trust Singletary, maybe perhaps maybe bring in a, a veteran, you know, running back. There, there's all there's always a couple out there. So maybe that's something they can look up to look up to during the off season. As for the Chiefs, I mean, we're gonna be seeing these goat versus baby goat, Brady versus Mahomes. We're gonna be seeing this those memes all all you know all like these next two weeks so i'm 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 just just warning you guys right now just saying <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah like i said we'll talk about it but you know i, I here's the thing that i'm gonna bring this up early Lakina. i know it's going to be brought up uh, again but uh, let's just i'm gonna lay the track words at least for this show anyway since we all know that uh, Super Bowl 55 will be a home game for Tampa Bay, they don't have to worry about traveling. Bruce Arians uh, said in his postgame presser on Sunday, uh, you can sleep your own bed, you can have a normal routine, and you don't have to worry about um, any extra distractions. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs, yes, you've been here before, but it's some stuff you don't have to worry about, and I'm going to lay the groundwork for this. You know, because of what we're going through right now, even though things slowly starting to get back to normal, but we're still a long ways away. You know, during a, a normal year, you'll have celebrities flying down, having their parties, and there's other radio world from all these national sports networks and these local 
of sports talk show networks throughout the country. They'll be down there. I don't think any of them will be down there. If they are, they're going to be very few. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to have everybody and their mama flying into the Super Bowl. Uh, I know we didn't mention this in our last episode, Lakina, but props to the NFL for giving out free 7,500 tickets to the Tampa Bay local area essential workers. They'll uh, attend the game for free, uh, which I think that's a thumbs up for the NFL. But the rest of the tickets, which I think is 14 to 15,000, will be available to the public. So, of course, Tampa Bay is going to be represented nicely. You're going to see a handful of Kansas City Chiefs fans as well. Uh, the thing that no one really talks about is a player request for, for tickets. You're not going to see many uh, um, family members down there, you, the extended family, I should say. Your auntie, your auntie's friends, your hangers on, your ages. You're not going to see them all down there because it's going to be between 20 and 25% full. Now, could the NFL release a few more tickets? Sure, but still, they they're gonna keep that number very long. I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna be up to fifty percent. If that if that number rises in terms of the amount of people that they'll be in there, even though it's the Super Bowl, maybe twenty five percent, maybe thirty. I might be reaching a little bit, but it's not even gonna get to half full. So I think maybe twenty five, twenty five between twenty five and thirty percent would be the limit. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're not you're not gonna be seeing a lot of the old big elaborate Super Bowl parties. I mean. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people say, oh, yeah, it's Tampa, it's not Miami, so, but, uh, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, the, the other, but Bucks, you know, they can just do what they usually do, you know, prepping for games mm -hmm. and stuff like that, so, you know, sleep in your own beds, that's gotta, that's gotta be a good thing if you're a, if you're a Bucks player, right, you don't have to worry, and you know how the weather is, so you don't have to worry about that either, weather won't be an issue, or at least it shouldn't be, unless it, unless it rains or something like that, um, mm -hmm. you know, if you're Kansas City, you know, you just gotta, you, you know, you've been there before, so you just sort of do what you usually do, I mean, there probably will be, like you say, there won't be any elaborate big parties. You won't have a lot of celebrities there, unfortunately, because of COVID. I know Florida's a little more open. You know, we'll, we'll, mm -hmm. get, we'll get to Florida and there. But Florida's had their issues with COVID. Let's, let's remember that, kids. So I'm, yeah. sure, <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that the mayor there, I'm sure he is going to try and make sure that, you know, nothing gets too crazy. Look, you know, that the 7,500 essential workers have already been vaccinated, so... That, mm -hmm. that that'll help a little bit and like you said so there's going to be maybe at most maybe 30 percent full so just just sort of you know you know close family members you know mother you know parents wives um kids mm -hmm. kids and stuff like yeah. that so i'm sure they're all gonna i'm sure the nfl is gonna put put um criteria and procedures in place so that you know you may have to you may have to take a test you might have to you know get get mm -hmm. a COVID test or do temperature checks to make sure that mm -hmm. you know, it, it make sure everyone's spread out six feet apart and, and whatnot. So yeah. we're not going to have like nothing too crazy. I mean, I don't think, I don't know if the CBS people, you know, other than, you know, Nance, you know, Jim Nance, Tony Roman, and Tracy Wilson and their production crew. I don't know if the NFL today guys are going to be able to go. Cause you got a couple of guys that are up there. And of course, you know, James Brown's a cancer survivor. So you don't want to risk mm -hmm. it. So I don't know how they're going to do that unless they are going to do it like in a centralized church, a centralized, I should say, easy for me to say location. <laughs> But yeah, you're good. That's something they're gonna have to think about, and I'm sure CBS is probably already like have it all, have it all mapped out. I'm sure. Yeah, since they knew a year in advance they were gonna broadcast the game, so I'm sure they had some plans uh, in place. Uh, one quick thing before we move on: Do you remember the 19? Technically, it was uh, played in '99, but do you remember the 1998 Atlanta Falcons? Very well, yeah. 
<laughs> the Dirty Bird team. Yes. Remember what happened the night before? And I know he's still doing radio games for the Carolina Panthers now, not to slam this uh, uh, slam this person, but uh, Eugene Robinson got caught mm -hmm. uh, doing some things with, uh, with an undercover mm. worker. I'll just put it that way. Keeping Google it clean it. for the kids. Yeah, Google it. Google it, kids. Google it. Yeah. yeah. That's your yeah and and I, think, I think it was the same day or the day before you won the initial Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Of course, the league had to take it away, which was the only thing they had to do. Of course, the Denver Broncos won that Super Bowl, and John yep. Elway won his back-to-back, -back and he retired and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, I was thinking about that when we're just now discussing this subject. Uh, just for this year, things are going to be different because – Players, even though it's the last game of the NFL season, players still are going to have to wear their masks, practice social distancing, and they are going to be on lockdown. And I know that the traveling part, Tampa Bay doesn't have to worry about, but Kansas City does. But I think this actually helps Kansas City because even though it was a different world last year uh, when they played the San Francisco 49ers in Miami, they were down there all week. We know – we're not going to have media day this year like you normally do because everybody for entertainment tonight, extra, uh, somebody from a blog, Barstool Sports, and uh, everybody else, uh, especially is more for people who don't, ha don't have a damn thing to do with sports. They're down there asking players stupid questions, Nickelodeon and all of them. <laughs> oh, what's your favorite president and all that stuff? <laughs> you won't have to deal with that this year. But I think for Kansas City, this is going to be – Great, because you you really have to focus in on the game, and you really don't have to deal with the extra distractions. Now, with the NFL pulled the, like this off in the future, assuming that things will get back to normal, which I'm cautiously hopefully that they will for next season. I don't think so. Maybe you'll change some things here and there. Because let's be honest, it's the it's the biggest party of the year for the NFL, and for for Kansas City, you don't have to deal with the extra distractions. Um, really to, quote-unquote, escape the protocols is really going to be hard. So you're not going to have players out on a Saturday night and things of that nature because even though it's the last game of the year, you really don't want to risk your health or the safety and health of your teammates and, and other uh, coworkers in the organization. Oh, no, you're not, you're not going to, we're not going to get a, like, Eugene Robinson or a Bear Robbins, you know, you know we're not going to, or, you know, Ray Lewis, you know, we'll, we'll, again, we'll, we'll keep all that, you know, we're trying to keep it, you know, PG rated. Uh, Google it, folks. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, but yeah, look, you don't have to worry about that, and I think if you're, Look, I think if you're Bruce Arians and, and Andy Reid, I think you're, you're okay with that. You're okay with, you know, not having to worry about the extra distractions or the extracurricular activities going on since there's not going to be a lot of stuff. Not a lot of stuff because, like you said, mm -hmm. the NFL is going to have a lot of that stuff on lockdown. So, look, you know, temperature checks, look. And if, I'm sure the NFL is happy that they, they got it this far. If they could just, they just get to the finish line. And that's, that's you know, that this crazy season. Yes, we've had, like, some – you know, schedule maneuvering and whatnot, but we were able to get all the games in. Let's make sure we get the Super Bowl in. Let's have a great Super Bowl. We'll, again, we'll talk more about it, you know, next week probably, more likely, but uh, more than likely. But, I mean, look, let, let's you're not going to have to worry about that. So I think if you're both teams, I think that that's actually a good thing. You don't have to worry about – since it's not going to be a, a lot of people allowed, you know, to get near the players. Like I said, we're not going to have, like, the bank elaborate media day, like, you know, in, in, you know, like we've had in previous years because of everything – so that's a, that's actually a good thing if you're if you're the NFL if you're the Bucks and if you're the um, the Chiefs coaching staffs you're you're actually okay with that and you know what you're you're the coaches if you're like I said if you're Bruce Harris Andy Reid you're okay with it not having to uh, have this being too elaborate sort of like a normal regular football mm -hmm. game. Yeah, 
Also, real quickly, Kenny, before we uh, take our break, a couple of things here related, football related. One, what would you grade the NFL for, so assuming that nothing uh, catastrophic happens if we get the Super Bowl in on time, which I think they will. What grade would you give the NFL, Consider all that we went through this, this season? There was no preseason. We started on time. There were some games moved around, but there were no games canceled. Players got paid. The networks didn't get their money back, so there were, there was not a week 18. What grade would you give the NFL? I I think I give like a solid B. I, I think look, you know, were there some are there some things that they kind of could have done better? Yeah, but I think the fact that they they I, I'm sure the, I'm sure Roger Goodell and the rest of the NFL executives are kind of like exhaling. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got this far. The networks, if you're CBS, NBC, and Fox, and ESPN, you you got your games in, you got your money. Mm-hmm. You know, look, you even got good ratings on Tuesday and Wednesday, so on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. You know, that, that you got to be feeling pretty good about yourselves. And look, let's just get to the finish line. Let's just get this, let's just get there. And I, I, I give us all a B. I mean, look, you know, with everything that went on with the Ravens and the Titans with their, you know, with their, um, you know, COVID issues and all the craziness that happened down there, they were able to kind of, you know, they got their seasons in and they both made the playoffs and, and you know, they were, they were able to kind of, you know, get, get they, they got it together and, you know, testing and whatnot, the strict testing. And so I'm sure if you're Goodell and the rest of the execs, you're hoping that you don't have to go through this again next year. You, you, hopefully you won't, you know, and mm-hmm. it's probably maybe more of in a smaller, you know, quote-unquote smaller capacity. But, uh, yeah, I, I give them a B. What about you? I'll give them a B plus A minus because, as we said before, the season kicked off. That this wasn't going to go smoothly. Uh, the NFL did tell his teams that we may have some problems here. Should it arise, this is what this is what the what's going to happen. We have a plan for this. We have a plan for that. Uh, like you said, the NFL they should uh, Roger Goodell, the commissioner should wipe his hands. Like hmm, we got through that without too much damage. You know, we shuffled some games around, but we didn't have to give any money back. There were no games canceled, so everybody's happy. So I'll give them an A minus B plus. I'll probably more lean towards oh, your grade, Lakina B plus, because there are uh, no games canceled. Now, as far as next year, we'll have a sort of a normal offseason. I know the combine, uh, they changed some stuff for the combine for this year. So it's not going to be as much media access as, as in previous years, obviously, due to the situation we're in right now. But I think after that, things should sort of get back to normal. We'll see what happens, what they do with, with some – with the preseason next year, uh, the media covers training camp. Hopefully the world will be in a better place by then, which we all think and hope that, that we will. So uh, the NFL has has some still some things to work on, but it should be proud of. So we talked about this uh, in our last previous episode. So, Ken, like the NBA is dealing with their issues. We'll get into more on the other side of this, uh, of this timeout. But uh, what the other sports are going through uh, currently – you know, you had to tip your head off to the NFL. They really learned from Major League Baseball because some of their players, i.e. the Miami Marlins, i.e. the St. Louis Cardinals, they didn't take it seriously when the baseball season uh, got started. So uh, they were reprimanded, uh, reprimanded and they got the point. So the NFL took some lessons from Major League Baseball. And uh, they did what they had to do. And so I give them a solid uh, B+. Now, before we take a timeout, Matthew Stafford and the Lions are no more. The news broke over the weekend. Uh, now the Lions are looking for uh, are seeking a trade, and I think Matthew Stafford's contract runs uh, has three years left on it. Yeah, at the time years. when he's yeah 
at the time he signed it, he was the highest paid QB in the NFL. Of course, we all knew that that status wasn't going to last long. One, I don't see anybody trading for him. He's still very good, but because of the money, I don't see that happening. So I think he will be released. And when that happens, which team do you think that Matthew Stafford would fit on best? There's a team about three and a half hours south of us that you know, needs a quarterback, and the team is built to win now, and that's Indianapolis. I mean, look, I, I think, look, you get to play in the Dome, so he won't you know, have to worry about having to play in the elements. You know, they got a retractable roof at Lucas Oil. Um, but like you said, the defense is really good. You have an O-line that will protect you, or a good one with a couple of pro bowlers. They'll protect you. You've got receivers. Once Marlon Matt, Marlon Matt comes back, you know, he'll – he'll be ready to go and you know you have somebody to hand the ball off to maybe they can make some changes through the offseason I don't know I don't know what their salary cap situation is but I I think the Colts might be a might be a destination for him I think I'm sure he's gonna want to go someplace where he can win now you know he's getting up there he's over 30 he's other side of 30 now so I'm sure he's gonna want someplace where he can win a title so I think maybe Maybe Detroit, you know, I mean, Indianapolis, I should say, from Detroit. I mean, like, you don't have to, they have to travel too far. You'll be right there in the Midwest region. I know they've, I know him and his wife and their kids have made a home there. So mm-hmm. they don't have to, you know, travel too far. Um, what's another one? Maybe, what's another, maybe a couple more. I've heard some people say that maybe, maybe the Dolphins, maybe, which is a little bit weird because you got, you know, you went, you went through all this with two, you know, with Tua. You know, now you're gonna bring mm-hmm. it, like somebody like a, like Stafford in. I think that's a little bit weird, but look, that that team's equipped to you know to take the next step. Maybe not win yet, but take the next step. So I think like Indy, Detroit. Um, like I'm sure there's a couple more that are not at the top of my head. But what about you? What do you think? Yeah, but like, like I'm I'm very big. Like I'm I'm super. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Very interesting. I have two teams actually. That's one that came up to my mind. The first team that which. These two teams are sleepers. The second team I'll sleep I'll get to in a second. The first one is New England Patriots. Ah, yep. And especially if Cam – obviously if Cam doesn't come back, if Bill Belichick doesn't trust him, uh, Matthew Stafford would be perfect for that team. Obviously obviously they had to pick up a stud wide receiver. Um, Some of their defensive players will come back because they checked out this year due to concerns of COVID. And and, uh, they'll have – Bill Belichick will have a full offseason – to implement his plan. So I think Matthew Stafford, he could work in New England. He's still um, talking about Belichick or Belichick, as we call him on this program. Uh, yeah, Belichick is still the coach. He's, he can still win now if if want to. They have those draft picks. They ended up 7-9 and nine this year. If they would have had uh, – I know uh, Cam dealt with his uh, issues with COVID early in the season. If that wasn't the case, they would have definitely made the playoffs. So – if they choose to move off of Newton and they pick up Stafford, uh, they can still um, uh, make the playoffs. So, and also, too, uh, good thing Matt Patricia knocked on <laughs> Belichick's door and said, give me a job. And what did Belichick do? Give him a job. <laughs> so <laughs> I think our good friend Lamont would like that story. Yes. But, uh, but I think uh, Stafford could fit in New England. But here's the second team that no one's talking about. And you heard it here first. No inside information or anything like that. The second team, especially if this quarterback retires, the Washington football team. Uh-huh. If Alex Smith retires, Alex Smith retires. I know uh, uh, Tyler uh, Taylor Henneke, if uh, that's his name, <laughs> he did a heck of a job uh, in that playoff game against Tampa Bay. But if Alex Smith retires, I don't know what the cap situation is for Washington. I'm assuming it's not that bad. 
you can take a look at Stafford because that 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 team can use a quarterback boost, and they can make a jump. I I you know I didn't think about that. I I think that would be a and mm-hmm. look they, they, they no one's talking about it. So Stafford in Washington, you can get a couple of good years out of him. He's a a couple of years younger than Alex Smith. And the NFC East is very winnable, so yeah. He could, exactly. He doesn't have to lead the NFC. You know that 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 division is very winnable. So do you? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mm, I didn't think they about it. They got a good it. running game in Antonio Gibson. Yeah. Terry yeah. McLaurin is a stud wide receiver. Yes. I believe next year he'll be going to his third year, and you yep. still have a young defense that you could build upon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. They got they. That's a pretty good front seven, young front seven. They got maybe just you know mm-hmm. approve a little bit on the secondary, but yeah, hmm, that is interesting. Like and like I said, that that NFC East is very winnable. So. Because mm-hmm. do you trust the other teams in that division? Mm-mm. You got Eagles with a new coach, whether or not Carson Wentz, they, they keep them. You know, the Giants, do you trust the Giants and the Cowboys? Mm-hmm. And they're still rebuilding, by the way. Yep. And they're talking about the Giants. The Giants, yeah. The, the Cowboys, do you trust the Cowboys? I don't. So, yeah, I, I, that, that might be an interesting fit there. That could work. And I, I'm sure Rob Rivera would love to have him, you know, on, on his team, especially, like you said, if Alex Smith does decide to retire. Hmm. Or who? Here's another one for you. Since, like we talked about on Friday's uh, podcast, you know, there's definitely some little bit of you know disagreement between uh, Jared Goff and Sean McVay. Maybe lost. Maybe the Rams. Maybe Los Angeles. If if LA can get out of that contract with Jared Goff, I don't know if they can. They barely did with Todd Gurley, but I don't know if they can do anything with that contract with Jared Goff. If, if somehow the uh, GM Sam Snead is able to get out of that contract. Good for them. Like I said, Stafford could be a, a good place there. But they can't do anything with that contract with Jared Goff. I don't know all the stipulations in there, but if they can't get out of that contract, they stuck with them. <laughs> well, it, it, it also, too, there's another, there's another quarterback, veteran quarterback, also in the NFC North that might be on his way out, and that's Aaron Rodgers. If you heard his presser, he said that he doesn't know what's going to happen. So what about Aaron Rodgers? Would it be an interesting place for him because if they if they I guess if they release him like before June first, they you know that's a lot of money that they think about twenty five, twenty one, twenty three million or something like that. But if they if they release him post that they will take a big cap hit. So there are a lot of like I said, the Colts maybe. That yeah. That might be a team. Uh what's another one I think Mike Florio? I'll, I'll look that up, but what do you think about Mr. Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, Rodgers will have some options for for sure. Like I said, Indianapolis is one. Uh, he could go to Detroit. I doubt it with Dan Campbell. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't see that happening. That team is not, not ready to win. And plus, they have uh, uh, Kenny Gallaudet, who's a, that's a star wide receiver, who's a free agent this offseason. So uh. I, I, I don't see that. But Mr. Rodgers will have some options. Uh, he can go to San Francisco if, I, re- I repeat, if Jimmy Garoppolo is released. Yeah. yeah. He can oh. go there. You can go, yeah, look, because you know that Rodgers was supposed to get drafted by them, and and they passed up on for Alex Smith. So there's a storyline for you right there. So Mr. Rodgers will have some options uh, should the Packers release it at some point during this offseason. Now, one quick question before – did you have something to say before I asked the question? Ah, just just one more team, and I think this is the thing that okay. I think a lot of people are thinking about. How about New Orleans for either what, either, either a Stafford or a Rodgers? Assuming that Breeze retires, James Winston mm. might be gone. You can only use Hits and Hills so much. Oh, that that's a viable option for both of them. 
I would still, I would keep them in a mix. I would keep them in a mix. Just a thought. We'll, we'll talk, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll have more on this, you know, in the weeks to come. So don't worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, uh, uh, switching it back to locally here in Chicago before we call it a timeout, call a timeout. Ryan Pace, going back to Matthew Stafford, assuming that he gets released, which you, we all know he will, no one's going to trade for him because of that big contract. Do you have the guts to check in on the of one availability of Mr. Matt Stafford? Well, if you're Stafford, would you? Do you keep the tires on him? Me personally, I would. Yeah, oh, sure, of course. I'm not saying he's the end all be all, but you got to check in on him. I, I would say at least, you know, call, give him a call at least or Zoom yeah, call. That, that, yeah. But, but if you're a staffer. That's what I'm asking. But if you're a staffer, would you want to come here? I mean, A-Rob might be gone. You know, Jimmy Graham might be, will probably end up either retired or going somewhere else. You know, we'll, we'll see what they, what the cap situation is because you know they're going to gonna use the cap as an excuse because you know how the Bears are. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know how they are, so uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm, yeah. sure if, I'm look. I'm sure they'll give they'll get tired and give them a call. But if you're a staffer, do you even want to come here? What about you? I will kick the tires. I'm not saying the staffer will be the answer, but take a look at the free agency list. Um, we're going to break it down a thousand times between now and the NFL draft. But you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's out there. Assuming that Cam Newton's going to be out there, uh, Tyrod Taylor of the Los Angeles Chargers, he may be out there. It's not really a great list this offseason. We all know that that Pace needs to draft one in this upcoming 2021 draft, whether they use their first-round pick to do so, whether they use a second- or third-round pick. I don't know how many picks they have for this upcoming draft, but if you don't want to sign any of those guys I just mentioned, you'll have to draft one. And I think Stafford is – you have to at least kick the tires on to to get his gauge of interest. Does he want to come here or not? Well, and, and, yeah, I think like you said, I mean, would he want, like, like I've been saying, would he want to come here? Like I said, with, with all the things we, we mentioned. So, look, I'm, I'm sure Stafford is going to want to go someplace where he wants to win. We get, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's some good options out there. I just don't think the Bears are at the top of that list, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, uh, Allen Robinson, uh, if he's back, uh, that would help. But right now we just don't know. They, fr- they could franchise tech him, but I'm sure he, if you ask him, you'll give him some true syrup. He probably may not want to come back, but that's just, but <laughs> I don't know. Well, look, look, you, we saw on social media, he scrubbed everything about this time last mm-hmm. year. So, you know, definitely something to look out for. Yes. We'll take a quick 20-second timeout. On the flip side, we'll get into the, the Chicago Bulls weekend action. Also, there were other great games from the from the NBA this past weekend. We also get into college basketball. Lakina will have her hot takes from college basketball, and we'll have a whole lot more. You're listening to Second City Sports. Ready. Ready. Okay. Welcome back to Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. All right, along with Cindy Brown, I'm Keenan McGee. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, a.k.a. Sid the Kid, on Twitter and the Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. And don't forget to follow the show on We Are Real Radio at War Media. You, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, you know, Google Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, 
iTunes, iHearts. I mean, it's all there. Whatever you listen to your podcast. Also, we're on the YouTube. We're on the tube. You know, just you know, like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can, you know, check out all our previous episodes if you're new to the show, mm-hmm. or if you wanna replay some of your favorites. You know, it's all right there. Yes, we show our receipts, folks. As the young kids would say on YouTube, we show our receipts for the podcast is war on Anchor for YouTube is war media. So there's no excuse for for you guys not to check us out. Please rate, share, sus- uh, um, comment, share, subscribe on YouTube. Please give us a rating, uh, a review, a positive one, hopefully, for our podcast. Uh, we do this for you guys. We love you very much, and, and we hope and you can continue to support us. Absolutely. Now, now a team that needs support <laughs> is the Chicago Bulls, as we fo- will focus in the, on them first. We'll get to the rest of the uh, action from the NBA from over the weekend in just a moment. But first, we'll focus in on uh, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they split their uh, two games over the weekend. Uh, a couple of notes before we, before we continue. When uh, as of this podcast, when it's released, they all would have already played their game uh, against the Boston Celtics on Monday. I know there's a big uh, weather storm for some parts of the Chicago land area. So as of right now, uh, when this podcast released, uh, the game between the Bulls and Celtics would have already been played. And number two. Uh, this upcoming Wednesday's game between the Chicago Bulls and the Memphis Grizzlies from Memphis is has been postponed due to COVID issues regarding the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, b- reviewing the action from over the weekend for our Chicago Bulls, uh, we'll start off with the good news. Uh, last Friday's action at Charlotte against the Hornets, the Bulls came away with a 13-point victory, 123-110. to Zach Levine did his thing as usual for the Chicago Bulls. He led the team with 25 points. Gordon Hayward led Charlotte with 34 points. Take a look at the box numbers from the game on Friday for Chicago. Laurie Marketing, he was aggressive again, 23 points off of 10 and 17 shooting. My guy, Daniel Gafford, had seven points and grabbed six rebounds in 19 minutes of action. Kobe Wright bounced back and had a big game with 18 points and eight assists off of six of 15 shooting. And off the bench for Chicago, you asked, Otto Porter Jr., 13 points in 23 minutes off of six and nine shooting. And Mr. Thaddeus Young scored eight points in 25 minutes of action. Denzel Valentine contributed with eight points off of two of five three-point shooting in 17 minutes of action. Reviewing, uh, reviewing this game, Lakina just watch, watches some of, the, some of that game from Friday. As we talked about on the show, who were going to be the contributing factor uh, players coming off the bench uh, besides Otto Porter Jr. and my guy, Daniel Gafford. We start to see that this team is mostly healthy now enough for Billy head coach Billy Donovan to use uh, uh, many players in, in, in many different combinations. Uh, I see that this is a well-balanced team. I'm not saying they're going to do anything big yet, but you start to see some guys uh, in some key roles uh, contributing uh, um, uh, possibly, uh, at least you saw that on Friday. Oh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Levine being the facilitator like he usually is, I mean, some people have said that, you know, hey, let's trade him now. His stock won't be even higher. I mean, let's slow down for a second, folks. I mean, I think that I think we're kind of going ahead of ourselves in that front, but you know, Kobe White was able to bounce back for a couple of of bad games, had 18 points. Larry had 23 
um, be okay. Yeah, Garrett Temple, you know, off the bench, 15 points, sort of helping out with Otto Porter Jr. as well. They actually made some key defensive stops late, which that's always mm-hmm. a good thing. And this is sort of the team's weaknesses of defense. They're still working on that. You know, they're, they're, they're which weird, which weird is it? they're the top 10 in a lot of the offensive categories in the NBA, but they're like near the, like the bottom tier when it comes to defense. So they're still working on that. But, you know, look, baby steps, folks. I mean, look, you're, you're competent and confident, and that's what you want from a, you know, if you're, the, if you're a Bulls fan right now. And, look, you got to feel, you got you felt good about that performance, you know. But on the flip mm-hmm. side, that next night, you know, you're, you're facing the defending champions, you know, LeBron, you know, AD. Remember, he didn't play in their first meeting. So, mm-hmm. but the Lakers showed you why they're rolling ahead of the Bulls right now. But that's okay. Okay. <laughs> That was that was a lot to ask, right, for them to come back, you know, the very next night and you know play and try to beat defending champs. That that's a that that was a big task. But you know, look, they were up, you know, they were down thirty at the half. They could have, you know, crawled under, you know, in the field position. Just you know, let's they could have lost by twenty five, thirty, or perhaps maybe even forty points. But the fact that they they kept fighting, they only lost by eleven. That look that. Last year they would have done that, but this year that they're, they're not doing that. They're showing that fight. They couldn't really, you know, rest too much. The Lakers. So you got to be feeling pretty encouraged if you're a Bulls fan right now. I almost look at this Bulls team like we looked at this year's Chicago Bears team. Um, when you play against an opponent that's equal or lesser of you, you usually play your best. But in the case of the Chicago Bulls, as we said uh, throughout this season, they're not there yet of course they're not at championship level some people may think they're a, a playoff team maybe they'll end up happening this year but they're not there yet and so when you mentioned the, uh, the effort against the lakers I, i'm i'm not going to say it was a lackluster effort overall but just the lakers are better than you right now and we expected that like you mentioned anthony davis who had a big game uh, coming back to his hometown had 37 points uh, you were going to stop him the the lakers game plan was to establish him early and often that's and that's what happened lebron james had a couple of highlight dunks he really didn't have to do too much it was all about the laker reserves and which will break down the box score from that game in just a moment but if, if you're the bulls you have to uh, bounce back yes those performances are going to happen just like we talked about they had to learn how to win these games uh, down the stretch without blowing leads. It looks like they were starting to turn around. But I look at, at Saturday's game as more of uh, it wasn't your night. You know, the, the Lakers are better than you. But going forward, you had to bring your best against better teams like the Lakers or the Clippers or the Spurs. I know the Spurs are going through their transition right now. but you, uh, Or against the Heat or against Milwaukee, which they got blown out uh, up, um, to start uh, this 2021 calendar year so as much as we talk about consistency with this Bulls team they're going to have to bring it against better teams if they want to get to where they eventually want to go we all know that the roster is not going to be the same but still with this group they're going to have to learn to bring it every night especially against better teams well and also too I mean you, you kind of that 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 fight that they they, they show then you know, look they they like you said, like you said, they were able to cut into that lead. And look, you're gonna have at some point you are gonna have to try to beat some of the top tier teams. But mm-hmm. the fact that you're you're competitive with those teams right now, I think showing you that that is not it's not too far out. It's not too far away that you probably can probably beat those 
legal leads, you know, those sort of top tier teams. And you're, you're kind of sort of, you know, scratching and clawing your way in. Look, we're all laying a foundation here. And who knows how this, how this roster is going to look next season. But I think mm-hmm. you're, you're, off to a, you're off to a pretty good start if you're a Bulls fan. Like I said, you got to be feeling pretty good about, about yourself if you're a Bulls fan right now. You're listening to Second City Sports. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. As we discuss the Chicago Bulls in the NBA, Lakina, let's focus in on Patrick Williams. He had a bad game on Friday in terms of scoring four points, but he did bounce back with 13 points off a of five and 12 shooting in 31 minutes of action. I know some people want to compare Patrick Williams to a young Kawhi Leonard. I think he'll eventually get it, but defensively, he's there. It looks like he wants to get in your grill and compete with you. And, we, and LeBron James, as we mentioned a moment ago, he made a comment about Patrick Williams. He could be the future of the NBM. Just paraphrasing a little bit after they played the first time a couple weeks ago. Uh, offensively, it looks like he has a game like a Scotty Pippen in terms of the jump shot off the glass. I still want to see him improve in that. But it looks like this kid has some of the intangibles. Remember, folks, he's only 19 years years old. But it seems like to me that he wants it. He wants it bad, and, and he wants to improve. I just hope that we can – uh, see a, a growth growing upwards as the season goes along. Uh, yeah, I hope so too. Like I said, there's a reason why he won Sixth Man of the Year last year, and when he was at Florida State, mm-hmm. and was he was a big part of you know Florida State being right there. Had if not for COVID, they probably could have at the very least gotten to the Final Four at the very least. Yeah. But- but I think, look, he's got the game to do it. Look, let's not put him at Kawhi level yet. But I think he, he's only, like you say, he's only 19. So let, let's kind of give mm-hmm. him a chance. Look, he's eager. He wants to get better. He's a great kid off the field, off the court, I should say. So mm-hmm. I, I think that the, the intangibles are there for him. And I think, look, you got, you got good coaching around him. So, you know, to kind of help sort of improve him, you know, he, Billy Donovan raised about him. So, I, I think, look, I think he could be on his way there to be, be kind of at that all-star, consistent all-star level. And also, too, Kobe White, as we mentioned at the top, uh, after struggling for the last few games, uh, you know, he's turned it around a little bit. He looked great, uh, as I mentioned before, in that Friday win over Charlotte. Uh, he, he kind of had a decent game against the Lakers, but you can't really judge that too much only because that game was a blowout from the start. But you start to see some signs from him. As I said before, and I'll keep repeating this, I didn't expect him to be John Stockton and lead the league in assists, but he's he he'll he'll probably end up being a combo guard when it's all said and done, which is not a bad thing. But his game is he's a he's a shooter, but he's a scorer first with a scorer's mentality, which is not a bad thing. But I think he could be. Uh, that type of player who can make some plays here and there, which I don't think is a bad thing. Me personally, I, I compare him to Gilbert Arenas, not just because of his jersey number, but uh, <laughs> he has that type of game that he can go off at any time. And that's something that you need. And that's, that's not a bad thing either. No, no, after all, I think he can be a good combo guard. Look, because defense perhaps maybe use some work, absolutely. He'll be the first to tell you <laughs> that. He'll be the first to tell you that, but look, the I think you know, sort of the the uh, the, the skills are there for there for him. You know, he works on his free throws. He works after games, especially here at home. So, look, I think he can definitely he has the discipline. So, I think that'll definitely help him a lot too. So, look, he's getting better, and look, we just mm-hmm. want we just want these guys to get better. And maybe if you decide to build around these guys when you know the Bulls are ready to kind of contend to be you know to contend for the Eastern Conference. You you know you're 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 already like kind of like halfway there I think. Yeah, you're you're halfway there, which is just 
hopefully that the Bulls can continue to use these steps and, and, and improve, and hopefully things will turn around at some point. Uh, take a look at their schedule for this upcoming week. As we uh, told you at the top, when this episode is released, the game against Boston would already have been played. Of course, Wednesday's game is postponed at Memphis due to uh, the Grizzlies COVID issues. Of course, over the weekend, we'll have a couple of uh, mediocre teams coming into the United Center. Uh, Saturday, the Portland Trail Blazers will be here. And of course, uh, ne- next Monday, Tom Thibodeau and the New York Knicks will be here for <laughs> a, a quick two game set. We'll probably dive in more into that on our next podcast. So that's the Bulls' schedule for this upcoming week. So the Boston game we'll review uh, in our next episode. So th- this, that game should be fun. So we will re- we'll review that. Uh, now as we transition over to the, the rest of the association, what games uh, uh, made your eyes uh, light up over the weekend? The Denver-Phoenix games. Those games were very entertaining yes. to watch. Denver won both those games, which, I, like I said, they needed to win those games because they were sort of kind of meandering at, at, at 500 and now over 500. I think Phoenix, unfortunately, I think their their lack of experience. Yes, you got CP3 there, but mm-hmm. you need you need another veteran to kind of sort of help kind of facilitate that. And that unfortunately, that's what happened in the in you know in the end. You know they, you know they gave up 120 points in the in the second one, 130 in the first you know half, and then the first game I should say, and they were up big, so they lost that game. But look, I mean, Denver. Denver had a nice weekend, so they were able to, you know, kind of mm-hmm. get back on track. We'll see how they, we'll see how they do the, uh, the rest of the, these next few weeks. I mean, the Clippers, you know, they've won seven in a row. <laughs> you know, doing what they mm-hmm. usually do, so you know, not too worried about them. The, the Jazz won, they have won eight in a row. The Grizzlies, unfortunately, you know, before they had to pause, they had won five in a row. So that's that was unfortunate mm-hmm. for them. You know, bad time for that pause. Um, in the East, um, you know, these have been kind of up and down. I mean, the you know, Sixers has won three in a row, but everyone else has sort of been kind of up and down lately. I know the Bucks. The Bucks had a nice win last night. Um, the 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 Pacers have been kind of up and down too. The Hawks have lost. Mm-hmm. A, you'll have lost. You know, the Knicks have lost a couple in a row too. You know, they they've kind of you know been on a slide. Although Toronto, you know, nice to see them win a couple in a row. You know, maybe they're starting to kind of get back on track. So. So very interesting sort of, you know, maneuvering going on in this, this last sort of weekend. What about you? Uh, the Brooklyn Nets impressed me with their comeback victory over the Miami Heat uh, this past Saturday night. Shout out to our friend, good friend, Alana Tackhauer. <laughs> I know she's <laughs> feeling old right now with the, with the Miami Heat being a couple of games under 500. But James Harden didn't play his best game on Saturday, but he did enough down the stretch, only scoring two of points bills. Kyrie Irving with, uh, with the game high uh, – with a game high 28, Kevin Durant chipped in with 31. But Bam Adebayo, who was an all-star last year, he scored a career-high 41 points. Uh, if you're the Miami Heat, <laughs> uh, I know Jimmy Butler's out right now, but uh, <laughs> I, where, where are you going to get your scoring from? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's just unfortunate. Look, but also those, you see those uniforms they wore against the Nets? I, yeah. mean, I, I don't yeah. know what <laughs> – uh, 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 yeah, uh, I'm just going to leave it there. But, uh, yeah, you wonder what what is wrong with Miami. I know, I know Butler's not there, like you said. He's not there right now. But, you know, I don't know if because they're still sort of exhausted from playing. I'm, I'm sure they didn't expect to, to be in the bubble as long as they were. But you kind of mm-hmm. have to get together here. And I think someone's got to step up in, in Jimmy's absence because Jimmy's actually going to be gone another week. So 
Somebody's got to yeah. step. Somebody's got to step up. And I know Bam Bam had his best, probably had a career high. But you know, Duncan Robinson, come on, what's 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 going on here? And I, 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 I they play again tonight. So as of this recording, we'll you know, the game will be over with. But we'll probably talk mm-hmm. a little bit about it on Friday. But you know, there's somebody's got to step step up for the Heat. I mean, for the Heat because you know, Olenia, come on, what are you doing? Goran Dragic, you know. He's been good, but he can be better. Also, Duncan Robinson, too. Somebody else has to kind of, you know, come off the bench. Kendrick Nunn had 18 off the bench, you know, for them to kind of keep them in it. Also help mm-hmm. kind of, you know, give them that, that comeback that they almost did. But if you're the Heat, if you're a Heat fan, I know Alana, I know Alana's, pro, Alana's probably like, okay, somebody's got else has to step up in Jimmy's absence. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Also, too, another team that's been on a roll is the Utah Jazz. We talked about them a little bit on our last podcast. They defeated the Warriors on Saturday, 127-108. Donovan Mitchell led the Jazz with 23 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Steph Curry led the Warriors with 24 points, but he set a record uh, surpassing Reggie Miller uh, for a second on the all-time three-pointers made list. Uh, I don't have to say too much here, Lakina, but – we know, all know that Steph Curry is the first ballot Hall of Famer, and uh, <laughs> I know his. Some people say, say that his "quote unquote" legacy is on the line this year because there's no Clay Thompson, Draymond Green keeps getting injured. So, uh, congrats to Steph Curry. I'm not going to say anymore. It'll be a waste of time as far as dissecting Steph Curry's career, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, he's a first ballot, no, no doubt. So let's let, let's not even, not even worth talking about. You know, Portland had a nice win against the Knicks last night. You know, got a mm-hmm. much needed win there, especially with Jurkic. You know, he's going to be gone a few weeks. So, you know, I think that some someone's going to have to step. Also, CJ McCollum's out too. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. gonna it's gonna be the Dame. It's gonna be the Dame and Carmelo show. It looks like you know Dame had you know who just had boy girl twins by the way him his his fiance so yeah congrats congrats to them so he was kind of a a, a one man you know wrecking crew of so somebody's gonna else is gonna have to step step up although you know Ephraim Ephraim Simmons he he had a six sixteen off the bench too for them mm-hmm. so that that helps a little bit in their win with the against this but somebody's gonna have to step up you know especially with both McCollum and Yurkich out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so injuries have been the question for Portland over the last few years. But like you said, there's a few guys going to have to step in and step up to help out uh, Mr. Lillard. I, I did watch some of that game on Sunday night. As you mentioned, they beat the Knicks. Uh, I kind of like that Knicks squad. Uh, they're, they're a couple of steps behind the Chicago Bulls. But you can see uh, uh, what a difference a real head coach makes. Tom Thibodeau, stay up, stay up. <laughs> you can tell that. A coaching, uh, a real coaching makes a big difference, and especially in young teams like that. A couple of games from Sunday that caught my eye. I did watch a little bit of this game. It was the Toronto Raptors and the Indiana Pacers, the first of their two games stint uh, for the to wrap up the weekend from Sunday. The Raptors got by the Pacers 107 to 102. The Raptors, as we mentioned, came a couple weeks ago. Uh, they were struggling to uh, uh, jump out of the gate to start the season, but right now, as of this recording, they are seven and nine. And so it looks like things are starting to turn around a little bit. Uh, things are going in the opposite direction for the Pacers after they get out to a surprising start. Yeah, I think, you know, not, you know, remember Levert's not there right now, you know, battling his you know, health, health issues. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's not helping them. And it'll look, like I said, like I've been saying, I mean, they, Toronto, look, not being able to play in Canada, I think that played a little bit of a part. I think they were still adjusting. Looks like they're starting to adjust now. I mean, like I said, that that Raptors team is too talented. So, 
I'm, I'm glad that they've lost. They've won a couple in a row. Hopefully, you know, they'll be able to win tonight mm-hmm. and sweep that little mini, mini sort of series, if you will, against the Pacers. We'll see what they do there. They got a couple of tough ones, you know, later on this week. So, We'll, we'll we'll see what they what they do. I think like like I said, the, the talent's there. That that's a that's a team that's way too talented for them to not mm-hmm. be you know near the top of the East. Let's also show some love to the Charlotte Hornets after losing to the Bulls on their home court on Friday. They bounced back on Sunday to get a much needed road win over the Orlando Magic, one hundred seven to one hundred four. Another thirty piece game for Gordon Hayward. He scored a season high thirty nine points. And also to the Wizards, welcome back to playing after dealing with your COVID issues. It seems like it's been forever, but they lost to the San Antonio Spurs down there in in the state of Texas, 121 to 101. Deontay Murray led the Spurs with 11 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists for a uh, triple-double. Bradley Beal uh, led all scores with 31 points. I know the Wizards are 3-9, and nine, Lakina. Uh, I know some people may have thought that they – Perhaps would have snuck into the playoffs right now, but um, making up those games, especially during the second half of the season, may come back to bind them in the you-know-what. As I mentioned before on the in our other segment, the San Antonio Spurs, they are currently now sitting with a record of 98. Maybe they can sneak back into the playoff picture, but this is not a bad team, but this is not those teams that we remember growing up either as yeah. they go through their transition. Yeah, they're, they're and plus you, you got Dallas, you got Dallas right there behind them. You got Golden State behind them, mm-hmm. also Houston too. So it's gonna be just you know, I know I know um, OKC's lost three in a row, but yeah, I think they'll probably be right there as well. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna definitely gonna be a log jam for those you know last you know couple of spots, especially with the play in you know games and whatnot and se- play in series, I guess they're I guess they're calling it so. It's going to be very mm-hmm. interesting, especially out west, to see, like, because there's definitely going to be some a, a battle for those last, you know, couple of spots. Yeah, it will be. And things can, will only get interesting. Uh, what, what are the – I don't know if you ever had a chance to take a look at the schedule for this upcoming week, Lakina, but uh, there's one game that's jumping out to, out to me, at least from the start, and this game would have been played when this episode was released. But the, the different Nuggets and the Dallas Mavericks, Dallas is – kind of been up and down this year. Luka Doncic is starting to pick it up, but uh, Denver's starting to pick it up as well. As you, as we, you mentioned at the top, they swept the, the road series against the Phoenix Suns over the weekend. Uh, those two teams are at a crossroads. Denver's starting to pick it up, but uh, Dallas needs to turn around. They're flirting around the 500 mark. Yeah, we'll see if they can, they'll be able to get together. That should, be, that should be a fun game. I'm looking forward to that one. I'll probably watch that game via my laptop. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> That'll be yeah. That should be a very interesting game because I'm. That should be very entertaining, and like like you said, I mean, like we've been saying, I mean, Denver, you know, won those two games against against Phoenix. They needed those, so that should be a very interesting game tonight. You know, you know, Bulls and Celtics. I mean, look, I know Taylor will be able to play tonight. He just got the he got the green light last night, so we'll see what he does. We'll see if the Bulls can hang with the, the top teams in the East. Um, OKC in Portland, that should be a good one tonight. <laughs> there is one tomorrow that I'm looking forward to. The Clippers and the Hawks, that's going to be a very interesting game because the Hawks have been up and down too, but, and you know, the Clippers, we'll see. They're, you know, they're tied with, of course, the Lakers for the top of the, the West right now. So that should be a very interesting game there. So what games are you looking forward to this week in the NBA? 
Uh, I'm looking at the Thursday national TV schedule for Thursday. I know TNT is shaking his head, at least for this first game. Uh, the Clippers <laughs> in the heat. <laughs> no Jimmy Butler. Uh, <laughs> it looks like me. it may be the old school um, uh, Clippers. Uh, I'm not so much Lob City, but it, can, it may be – that game may be out of hand and out of hand early. Of course, the second game of that doubleheader is the Portland Trail Blazers traveling to Houston to take on the Rockets. That should be an interesting high-scoring game. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the game underneath that is the Warriors and Suns. Uh, we didn't talk about this at the top, but Devin Booker will, will miss the uh, the games against Denver over the weekend. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to come back uh, by this time. But uh, those are the games I'm looking forward to on Thursday. Yeah, he's been banged up a little bit, so we'll see if he'll be able to be cleared by by them by the time they play those games. So yeah, some very interesting games coming up in the NBA this week. Yeah, and also, too, ESPN has a highlight game for Wednesday, and that takes place in Philadelphia at 6.30 p.m. Chicago time. That's the Los Angeles Lakers in the Philadelphia 76ers. I want to see what Doc's crew, will he'll, what he does against the, perhaps the best team in the NBA. Yeah, that, that's definitely going to be an interesting game there. We'll see how we'll see how that matches up. Could it be, could it be a finals preview, maybe, some people are saying? But, again, we'll <laughs> – well, we'll see. I mean, that 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 should be a fun one there. Um, let's see. Well, let's let's see what else. I, I mentioned Brooklyn and Atlanta. That should be an interesting one there. We talked about mm-hmm. the Nuggets and the Heat. So that that's going to be. Those are some interesting. Those are going to be some interesting games this week. Definitely. I had to refresh in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> So definitely some interesting games coming up in NBA this week, no doubt. Yes. You're listening to Second City Sports as we head down the home stretch along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, what caught your eye in the world of college basketball this weekend? Some very uh, well, uh, well, one coming out the gate, you know, off the court. Michigan, unfortunately, has had to pause, had to pause all of their athletic activities, not just the men's and the women's hoops, but also, but everything because the I guess there's a new COVID strain, and I guess that strain was discovered in the you know, in um, Ann Arbor. I guess in the um, facilities, so they've had to clean. You know, they got to pause everything and clean everything. So, and it was unfortunate because you know the the men's team actually you know is in the top four. They they went up to number four, but now that they're going to be out for two weeks, so that that's that's going to you feel bad for Juwan Howard because they were starting to get on a roll. So. Yeah, you know, you'll feel for them. Also, Shaka Smart, you know, announced earlier this morning that he tested positive for COVID. They will, it looks like they will be able to play against Oklahoma. That game is supposed to be tonight, so it looks like they'll be able to play that game. But unfortunately, he won't be there to coach them. So we'll see. You know, he'll be he'll be quarantined. So we'll see what happens there. Now, as for the the action, um, Baylor, Baylor with a nice win against Oklahoma State. You know, OK State without Kate Cunningham, who's recovering, still recovering <laughs> from who you know, was going through COVID protocols, but, you know, Baylor was able to pull off the, the big win there. Also, Villanova beat Providence. Missouri Missouri with a nice win against Tennessee. Oklahoma upset in Kansas. Kansas lost losing three in a row for the first time, I think, since, like, the early 2000s. Yeah, what's going on with Bill Self and his program? Well, some people, well, some people said this is not the most talented team Kansas has, even though they were, they've been, like, in the top 10, top 10, top 15. They were actually in the top five at one point. But I think that lack of talent, I think a lot of one of those guys, I think one of their guys is out right now. So I think that's definitely not helping them in, in that front. But that's that's why K, K, K is having, you, you know, KU, I should say, is having their struggles. 
Um, Ohio State with another big road win against Wisconsin. Um, Creighton giving a welcome to UConn back to the Big East by beating them pretty handily by eight points. <laughs> uh, you know, Syracuse with this deal, you know, the upset, you know, quote unquote upset, you know, beating uh, Virginia Tech pretty easily. So, some definitely some interesting, you know, college hoops. I mean, um, UNC beat NC State. Um, there were a couple um, Arizona beat Arizona State. You know, they actually played again. They actually play again tonight. Um, but yeah, so definitely interesting. They're interesting games. You know, Kentucky got a nice win. Um, DePaul got a nice win against Marquette. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be hard for them to make up all those. DePaul games. actually played a game. Yeah, I know, right? But it's going to be hard. For them. <laughs> it's going to be hard for them to kind of not make to make too much light of the situation, but you know. well, yeah. I, well, I mean, you're you're right, and unfortunately, I don't think the game's going to be there for them to kind of make up for all those games. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's some of the things that I kind of looked up at. You know. Uh, oh, Rutgers got a nice win against Indiana. You know, they didn't that when they had lost, I think, like four in a row. So they got a, a nice bounce back win there. Um, some of the, you know, some of the other games, Loyola's been on a roll too. They beat Bradley. They've been on a roll in the uh, Missouri Valley. So I did watch that game a little bit. So I know Bradley's uh, barely over 500, but it looks like Loyola is, is usually around that time, at least over the last couple of years since they made that trip to the final four. This is usually the, uh, the time they usually get it together. So hopefully things are turn around for Porter Mosel and their crew up there on the north side of Chicago. Absolutely, absolutely, they they totally deserve it. So uh, yeah, so I know you didn't. I know you didn't watch too many college, too much college hoops. But what what actually caught your attention? Uh, as, as you mentioned with the score of the Oklahoma Kansas game, uh, as, I, as you mentioned, uh, I've never seen. Uh, this is it goes way beyond Kansas. I've never seen so many teams struggle this year. Of course, you had to throw in Kentucky in there. I know they're five and nine, four and three in the SEC. But your traditional top teams in college basketball—they're not having the world's greatest years, uh, at least to many experts and pundits standards. You know, as I mentioned, Kansas, Kentucky, North North Carolina. I, <laughs> uh, part of the reason is, is COVID. At least that's part of it because everybody has to deal with it. But I think you may hit hit on the earlier point, which is probably the main point. It's not as much talented guys coming to those programs as you had in, in years past. We always talk about this: the uh, the one and done players, uh, the media of the uh, top tier programs have been doing this for a long time. We all know that Coach Mike Krzyzewski, Chicago's very own. Uh, co the head coach, Duke, he didn't want to participate in it, but to keep that program going, to keep that money going uh, going into that program, he has to have uh, those type of players on the squad, even if he has it for one year. He's Ion Williams, Williamson and other players from, from recent history, Jabari Parker from a few years ago. So uh, this really is the main problem that I think that I mean, your traditional type teams are having dominating seasons. Well, yeah, and like, look, you know, case, you know, Kansas had their he's having a history the first time since 2013, and mm -hmm. like you, like you said, so I think the talent is not there. Like, like, like I've been saying, I mean, Kansas, you know, people said this is not the most talented team, although there is talent there. It was like there's nobody there. There's like a bunch of you know, you know, no names there, but they the talent uh -huh. is there. But like you said, I mean, you know, COVID also, you know, the the crowd, the lack of crowd in some of these arenas. You know, there's yeah, there's got to play a factor of not having a crowd in Cameron. I think that's gonna that's playing a factor too in the Duke struggles because they can't use that as their sixth man, if you will. 
Um, you know, same thing with a lot of these Big Ten schools. I mean, that's why, you know, Wisconsin's been having their struggles at home. You know, they've lost, I think, like four, mm-hmm. home, four home games, you know, which is they only they'll, – they'll use that much in one year at home at the Kohl Center. So mm-hmm. not having, you know, that, that crowd, I mean, you know, not having that home court advantage, I mean, that, that's sort of playing into a lot of it as well. Yeah, and it does, and you can tell watching these games. I know I can, and most people with a with a sense of common common sense in their brain can tell that many of these college kids use the home crowd to their advantage. Even some teams that play on the road, they use that to their advantage. Of people booing them to get them going to uh, to get their game up. But that's been a huge difference as well. I don't think many people are talking about that. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like he's like he's like I've been saying, you know, not having a crowd at Canberra, and that's why you saw some of the upsets you saw against Duke earlier this season. You know, mm-hmm. Long Allen. I think I know it's limited there, but you got to think not having the big crowd. I think that's that's sort of, you know, not that's not really helping them. You know, in their their home court, and like like I said, I mentioned Wisconsin. You know, the Cole Center is one of the loudest places in the country. The fact that there's nobody there, you know, they've already lost their, like four home four uh, home games already. So. That that's that's a big issue with with these teams, and I think a lot of people aren't talking about it. Yeah, like I said, we all knew that uh, the college uh, athletics, especially college basketball, we're going to have challenges because we're still in the middle of this second wave right now. Hopefully, we're getting towards the end of it, but we still have the month of February and March to go. Uh, you know, I <laughs> I think uh, I, let me preface by saying this: I heard. Not her, excuse me. I saw a couple of tweets and crew not a friend of the show, Brooke Ricebroad from ESPN, um, uh, suggesting that college basketball should take a pause between now and at the end of February, I believe, is to get everything together and then uh, go and jump right into the conference tournaments and then we'll have March Madness in the state of Indiana. Well, what do you think about that? I think if it gets any worse, I think the NCAA should take that route, but we all know the NCAA Common sense doesn't register with them. That's why I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I yeah I've heard yeah I saw I saw some other tweets very similar to hers. You know, hey Brooke, by the way, if you're gonna you're gonna listen to this, you know, got to get you back on the show soon. But I've seen other people say the same thing that maybe, especially with you know with this new variant that's happening, especially what's happening in Michigan, the fact that they've had mm-hmm. to pause their their uh their athletics. For two weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to do that, especially if it does get worse. I mean, you know, like I said, you know, Nebraska still paused. I mean, there have been a couple. We've had some programs decide to opt out, especially on the women's side. Mm-hmm. So that might be yeah. something that that might be something that they may have to think about doing. I know they, of course, NCAA is probably not going to want to do that because that's less money for them. But mm-hmm. talking about you know, people's safeties, you're seeing coaches who. A lot of them have pre-existing conditions. Some of them are cancer mm-hmm. survivors, and some of them are a few of them are even up there in age. So you have to think, take their take their um, to take their feelings into, into account too. You you have you have guys that are in similar situations, so you don't want to you know perhaps so look what happened to Keontae Johnson over at Florida down in Florida. I mean, yeah, he had COVID and collapsed on the on the court and almost died. So you don't want to have that situation. So if yeah, if look if you have to pause for a week or two to sort of you know, get everything together, make sure everybody you know, is healthy and perhaps maybe come back during those last couple of weeks of this, the regular season as we can go to the conference tournaments. We'll, we'll see what they do. But it's going to be very interesting, though, because I don't know if they'll, it'll get to that point, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do. What about you? 
I wouldn't be surprised either. But like I said before, when it comes to NCAA, they have no common sense. And I know they're trying to be like the NBA and the NFL, so they'll have to power their way through this thing. But it wouldn't be such a bad idea. But they're going to try to get in as many games as possible. Even though these college athletes are not traditionally essential workers, to those listening on a podcast, I'm using air quotes here, even though they're not traditionally essential workers, they're used as essential workers because, as you mentioned, there's a big payday at the end of the road here. But as I always say, everybody gets paid except for the athletes, and the system must be revamped. But that's a whole another conversation for a whole other time. Well, yeah, that's, that's a whole other issue for a whole other episode. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but you raise a good point. I mean, unfortunately, like we saw, we talked about it during you know the college football season. I mean, these guys are not, you know, they're not being treated as you know as work as you know essential workers, and this is what what they are, and they should be getting paid. Mm-hmm. They should be getting compensated. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're I'm sure some of them have pre-existing conditions, so a lot of them are risking themselves you know, to mm-hmm. put a product out there on the court or on, you know, on the field or on the court in this case. So it's definitely something that is going to think of, going to be thinking about, should be thinking about. And look, I'm sure look, we've seen conferences have said, look, we're not doing anything. Look, we're starting with the football. I mean, they're supposed to be starting to play football in about a month with the F, you know, the, uh, the FCS, the one double A, mm-hmm. if you will. So, you know, maybe do they go that route? Who knows? But listen, the fact that there was no tournament last year in basketball, they lost a lot of money. So they're going to try it. Look, we're going to try and power mm-hmm. our way through this. And I don't see them taking the two-week pause. But like I said, if things get worse, they may not have a choice. But we'll see. We'll see. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. We'll see within the next week or two. Let's end this episode on a high note, shall we, <laughs> for the next couple minutes. Um, staying local, our Chicago Blackhawks as we transition over to the National Hockey League. I said on our last episode, if you don't at least split against the Detroit Dead Wings, uh, there's <laughs> something wrong with you. They swept the weekend series. Uh, they defeated the Detroit Wet Wings 5-2 to two on Friday and 6-2 to two in front of a national television audience. On Sunday, 62. I uh, hope I'm pronouncing these guys' names correctly. Pia Suter uh, had a hat trick uh, with three goals against Detroit. Connor Murphy chipped in with a goal and assist from the defensive from the Chicago Blue Line. Patrick King um, scored the goal on Friday. He had two helpers on Sunday. And Kevin Lankinen, I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> but he's been doing the job in net so far th- this season. I'm not saying you should give him the Williams Jennings Trophy or the best goalie <laughs> of the regular season. I'm not saying give him that yet, but Jeremy Collinson, even last year when he had Crawford and Robin Leonard on the roster, he went with a hot hand. Of course, at this time last year, he went with Robin Leonard. Of course, we all saw what happened. He got traded out of here because yeah. Hawks didn't have enough money to give him. But with that being said, Lincoln is doing the job right now. I like this team. But like I, but like, I think we talked about this before we started recording, Lakina. Even though Detroit's in the specialized division this year, if you play Detroit every night, you'll be the best team in hockey. But since that's not the case, you'll have to go through Nashville, Tampa, and some of the other teams that in your division this year. So hopefully for the Hawks, they can build up on, moment, on some momentum here. You got a couple of games down there in Nashville uh, this upcoming week. We'll, we'll see what happens. But you have to be so sort of encouraged uh, watching this weekend's action against Detroit. Let's temper the expectations. I'm not saying they're a playoff team yet, but it's a team that you had to be less talented than you, even though you go through your transition yourself. 
Yeah, I mean, look, it would look pretty stupid if they lost both those games. So the fact that they mm-hmm. won both of them, I think that that helps their – you got to think that helps their confidence a little bit too. Like, for, like you said, I mean, they looked really good, like you said. I mean, but, you know, Detroit is supposed to stink for the next couple of years. So I'm not – I'm not – look, it's too bad they can't play Detroit all the time. But, you know, right. <laughs> we can't – you know, but we can't do that. But it is what it is. So, look, you got to give the Hawks props. They got to – you know, they got to – they got some winnable games against Nashville too. I mean, Nashville's sort of like right where they are. So – We'll see. Mm-hmm. If they can at least split the games, I'll feel a little bit better. Yeah, just like the Bulls, you know, for the Blackhawks, you know, you have to be competitive against teams that are equal or better than you. It's easy to be above the bad teams, but let's see what you can bring against against better teams. Real quick, though, as a whole, you know, I've watched some of those Canadians games. They looked really good. So and so does uh, Toronto. They're both of them are. Yeah. Hopefully, we're leading the league in points right now. And if you're the NHL, you're, you're hoping that we can get at least one Canadian team in the Stanley Cup. <laughs> because can we get a Canadian team to deal in the Stanley Cup final, please? But look, I mean, Montreal looks really good right now, and so does Toronto. Mm-hmm. So also Vegas has looked really good too. So mm-hmm. also, also of course, the defending champion Tampa Bay. Yeah, I can't forget about forget about them. You know. Connor McDavis, you know, doing his name, leading the league in points with Mitchell Mitchell Marner from the from Toronto, and Ozzy Kopitar. That's a name we haven't heard in a little bit. Sid, <laughs> doing <Woo! very> well. <laughs> yeah, right. Taking it back to 2012, <laughs> know, right? Leading the league in points, so that, that's uh, that's a uh, pretty good. So, uh, yeah, uh, so far as a whole, what do you, you know? Who's impressed you so far as a whole in the NHL? Watch out for the Minnesota Wild. I don't have their stats in front of me, but they've been very impressive. They have a couple amazing rookies on their squad as well, yeah. so watch out for them. Maybe could this be the year that they break through and get back to the playoffs? We shall see. But like you mentioned, those Canadian teams are the talk of the league right now. But even though it's early in the season, we're a couple of weeks, almost three weeks in, those Canadian teams are really been impressive. And you got to think, too, the fact that, they, that, they're, that they're actually able to play in their home, home provinces. So. Yeah. I think that's helped their their confidence a little bit, so they didn't have to pull like a Toronto with the rap, especially with the Maple Leafs not having to had to play in Tampa like their the NBA counterparts have to do. So, mm-hmm. so you got to feel it. That's good. been key. Yeah, that's been key too. We're also in Montreal too. I know I know they've been having some various issues with COVID too over in Montreal. But look, I think you know, Washington Washington's looked really good so far. So yeah, I, I think look right now, this, you got to be feeling pretty good so far. So good if you're the NHL. Yeah, and speaking of the Capitals, real quick, you know, a couple of the players got busted for not wearing masks uh, the other day. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you had to take this thing seriously, folks. Oh, come on now. Some of you guys know better. Ovechkin, come on. You know yeah. better. Come and on also, And also, too, the Dallas Stars, they played their uh, first game this past Friday. So, they finally got off the ground. And, and so, the, hopefully, they won't have too many issues going forward. They're the last team to – to play because even though uh, they couldn't start off the season like everybody else because they've been dealing with COVID issues, uh, 17 players to be exact. Yeah, you know, you hope, hope for the best for them and hopefully they can – Yeah. hopefully there won't be any more issues with the with the Stars. I know I, I saw that too. I'm like, wow, that, that's that's crazy, the fact that they're just now starting. But mm-hmm. it, unfortunately it's been like that for a lot of these teams all over the place with everything going on, especially with the restrictions. So, restrictions in some areas, but other areas are a little more free-flowing. So, but uh, that's mm-hmm. – again, we won't, we won't go there. We talked about it, so we won't go there. But uh, – <laughs> On that note, you can follow me at 
Oh, 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 you know what? What are you looking forward to this week, Sid? I'm sorry. <laughs> I can actually watch some uh, out-of-market action with, with the NBA and the NHL, and hopefully I can catch up on some finally some college basketball. Who's going to play with these top 25 teams? Hopefully they don't get affected by COVID. Oh, yeah, same, same here. I'm, look, at like, we mentioned some of the games. Yeah, we got coming up tonight. Oh. Like it's a, oh, oh, what? No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I thought we had some technical issues, but no, you go ahead. Oh, <laughs> okay, that's kind of. Okay, so caught me off guard, but yeah, look, hopefully, like you said, hopefully we won't see any more COVID issues, you know, hopefully, you know, on the NBA side, we'll, we'll, you know, maybe we, you know, we'll see how the Bulls look against the Celtics, we'll see the sort of litmus test for them, not like a litmus test, but sort of say like, okay, are we at the Celtics level yet, or can we at least play with mm-hmm. the Celtics, that would be a win either way. And also, too, the, the college hoops we talked about, also the NHL we talked about a little bit, too. So looking forward to seeing some of the out-of-market stuff this weekend, with, especially with no have to worry about football for the next couple of weeks. So we'll catch yes. up with us. Yes, it should be fun. On that note, you follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. You can also catch this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from from War Media by simply going to War on Anger with Keisha over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and the iHeartRadio app. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you type in the search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media, once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. As Lakina mentioned before, cast our, uh, catch our past shows. And uh, not only from us, but from my other guys as well. So like, comment, share, subscribe, and thank you for supporting us. Mwah! Thank you, thank you very much. It's also please be careful out there because Lily, we're having it's gonna be some a big sort of a mini big snowstorm coming in through our area. So if you're gonna if you live in the Chicago land area, if you live in the Chicago land in the Midwest area, you know please be careful mm-hmm. out there. You know try not to go too fast. You know look, we've been very we've been very fortunate this winter. So it's coming yeah. for us. So we we fear this was coming. But also, two guys enjoy the sports. Make sure you keep your mask up, wash your hands, and keep your distance. I know the I know that the the, dinner, the diners and the restaurants are open, but let's not go too crazy, folks. Okay, <laughs> we're still in the middle of a pandemic, folks. So let let's slow down and let's sort of ease our way back into stuff. Yes, for Lakina, I am Sid. We'll catch you on our next episode of Second City Sports Weekend Edition. Until then, till next time, holla. See you guys Friday. Be careful out there.